Hey everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Irish Knicks Fan Podcast where we talk about beer, basketball and business and not necessarily in that order. I'm your host, Brian Evers, so let's get right into it. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about our big win that we had against the Denver Nuggets the other night and then I want to tell a story that's very personal to me called the fireplace story. Now some of you in my life have already heard this story probably a couple of times but bear with me because I felt compelled to share it with the Irish Knicks fan family tonight. So buckle up and let's go. So our guys followed up a really impressive victory against the Utah Jazz a couple of nights ago and came into Denver to pull off a back-to-back win uh, in pretty hostile territory. Um, For those of you that have paid attention to the NBA over the last few years, uh, playing Denver at home is a pretty tall order because of the altitude. It's a it's a legitimate factor. And before this victory, the Knicks hadn't beaten uh, the Nuggets in Denver since 2006. And that's when Carmelo, Mr. Carmelo Anthony, was actually playing for the Nuggets. So it was a long time coming. Uh, so our guys really came in uh, looking like they had something to prove. Uh, this will always be remembered as the Julius Randle game. He had an absolutely outrageous performance, uh, finishing with 34 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. And honestly, as I always say, his impact way uh, outweighed those numbers. Uh, there was one particular play uh, towards the end of the game where he was hustling for a loose ball after causing an interception. And from the ground, managed to pass it to Jalen for a dunk and most people probably didn't even know that Jalen could dunk but that was when I started shouting this is Nick's basketball so uh that (laughs) that's a little bit of an insight into me being an absolute lunatic watching these games uh RJ uh had a pretty awful game uh to be honest finished with 11 points three rebounds and two assists, but that was on pretty low efficiency. And at one point he was actually one for 12 from the field. Uh, from if what the uh, the announcers were talking about, it, uh, if it turns out to be true, it, it, it would appear that he was struggling with some kind of non-COVID illness. Um, and then he was just gutting it out for the team, which is very commendable. But at some point you kind of have to... Uh, realize that you're actually hurting the team Uh, and rj i mean this from the bottom of my heart in future please just get some rest drink some fluids and you know put your emphasis on recovery the next time you feel like this because we can't have you out there looking like you're doing a bad mj flu flu game impression without the 40 plus points (laughs) so Again, we need you at your best, and it and there's no benefit to the Knicks to have you out there uh, throwing up enough bricks to build a house and just looking completely out of sorts. You know I love you, but please, RJ, next time you're feeling like this, just take the night off. Uh, <laughs> so um, on a slightly more positive note, Jalen Brunson had another incredible game, finished with 21 points, 7 assists, and 5 rebounds. Tibbs has really just designated the role of adult in the room to Jalen this season. 
Uh, I felt like watching this game, which was another tightly contested, competitive game, uh, every time it felt like the Knicks may be letting it get away from them, uh, Tibbs would say, okay, in you go, Jalen, calm things down and, uh, you know, lift everybody up. Like, it's a very clearly defined role and he's been playing it like an absolute superstar with every cent of that $104 million deal that he signed in the offseason. I have to admit, Mr. Bum Reddish himself uh, finished with 10 points and three rebounds. Again, had a lot of um, kind of, I guess, loose. He was uh, he was playing with a lot of hustle and and uh, intensity. Had He was diving for every loose ball. He was causing disruption on defense. And even those 10 points, I mean, they seem to come at pretty important points in the game. So if he can string together a few more games like this, I might need to, um, you know, retire the bum reddish nickname and just call him Cam. So uh, prove me wrong uh, or or <laughs> we'll see, Cam. Let's see. So uh, Emmanuel quickly uh, finished the game with six points, uh, six assists and five rebounds. Again, I know those numbers don't sound overly impressive, but his level of intensity for the entirety of the game and coming off the bench to be that spark plug, it's kind of where he's at his best. Um, I do think that the fact that he nearly had a triple-double, uh, even though it's kind of on the low end, uh, just says a lot about the overall impact that he was having on the game. Another very solid performance, too, by Derek Rose. Uh, D. Rose, obviously, for for anybody that's followed the NBA for a long enough period of time, uh, he's kind of like the unsung hero, not just for the Knicks, but I think for the league in general. And I think everybody loves to see D Rose playing well. So had 17 minutes off the bench, scored 13 points, had three assists, one rebound. Just seemed to every chance he got, he seemed to make the right decision. He had some big three pointers and really just kind of kept the momentum going whenever Julius was not on the floor because holy shit did he have a game there was a number of big plays uh Julius was just too big too strong and just spent the whole game imposing his will so apart from that one hustle play uh, the pass off the floor to Jalen for that big finish which honestly sealed the game uh, given that the the game finished 106 to 103. Um, but there was one particular uh, move where he just went old school, bully ball, back to the basket, and just absolutely like mashed his way to the hoop. Like it was kind of one of those things where you think, like, there's no way that's not an offensive foul. But because the defender was standing fully in the restricted area, Julius was within his right to just absolutely bulldoze his way past him. I thought he might have knocked his head off, but to see Julius engaged, uh, just trying hard and just, like, he was bought in. Like, for this game and for every other game this season, Julius seems to come out there and say, I am not losing this fucking game. You're either with me or you're against me. And even if I'm doing this by my fucking self, I'm going to find a way to will us over the line. And I, I'm here for it. 
uh, keep up the good work, Randall. It was an absolutely incredible performance. Um, honestly, one of the best that we've had so far this season. Um, you know, again, I did mention this in the last episode, but as a fan, it's always more interesting and, and exciting to watch a tightly contested game, which this was. I mean, we had some big time uh, foes on the other side uh, with some great performances as well. Um, you know, <laughs> Jamal Murray, uh, not long off of a pretty severe ACL tear, finished the game with 21 points nine rebounds and six assists. I actually thought he might get a triple-double, but didn't quite get there. Uh, and then just another kind of uh, honorable mention would be for Mr. Bones Highland, which uh, he finished the game with 21 points off the bench and had some big shots down the stretch where I thought maybe we were going to blow this because, again, we went into kind of crunch time in the fourth quarter, actually down by 10, and I thought, okay, we we may have actually blown this. And, you know, a big reason why Denver got out to that lead in the fourth was due to Bones, his intensity on defense. Well, actually, no, not so much defense, but just his overall intensity. He picked his spots to, you know, hit some big shots. I mean, for the uninitiated, uh, the reason he is named Bones, that's obviously not his real name, uh, uh, is because he was so skinny growing up, but then also there was an incredible story where he had a house fire, which unfortunately I, I think a couple of his family members died in, but he managed to jump out of a third story window to save himself. And uh, I think he did break some leg, break his leg in the process. Uh, not sure about that part, but really, the way I was looking at it when Bones just kept hitting big shot after big shot and just like was really up for this game. Like he's a baller. Like he's he's one of those players that if he was on the Knicks, I know the Knicks fans would absolutely love him. Uh, so, uh, but I've, I was thinking the whole time as he was doing this and having one of the best games he's had so far this season, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get in the head of somebody who literally jumped out of a third story window to survive. You know, that's a pretty mentally strong human being. And honestly, it was pretty incredible to see him dueling up against our guys and, and uh, just like, you know, not backing down from anybody. But again, as I mentioned, this was a really strong overall team performance. Um, you know, Again, I, I hope I wasn't too hard hard on poor RJ, but um, I don't think I've ever seen anybody miss more uh, and, and miss as badly as he was missing for the whole game. Um, and I, I think that it says a lot about the team and about the quality of Randall's performance that basically we were able to have a zero game from uh, from RJ and uh, have everybody else rally around him and us be one of the teams that are kind of bookmarked to make a bit of a dent uh, deep into the playoffs. So I couldn't be happier with the result. <laughs> it's always good to see the Knicks win back-to-back -back games. I went to bed very happy that night. And uh, Julius Randall, have yourself a night. So when we come back, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about how I feel about manifestation 
why I think it matters, why I think it's very real, and uh, tell you a bit of a story, as I mentioned at the top, uh, called the fireplace story, which I feel um, is pretty apt given what we're about to create and put into the world um, over these next few months, all leading up to the Irish Knicks fan live experience uh, <laughs> on the 28th of April uh, next year. So uh, we'll be back in a second. And we're back. So some of you may know that I spent about four months in Lisbon during the pandemic. Things had gotten pretty depressing here in Dublin, just with super strict restrictions. And uh, I had just gone through a pretty rough breakup and just kind of felt like I needed a bit of a change of scenery. Um, I do remember arriving in Lisbon uh, fully expecting there to be, you know, a very similar experience to what I had kind of gotten used to here in Dublin and it could not have been any more like any different. Uh, <laughs> this just shows the lunacy of the times that we were living in. Uh, I actually, on the day I was flying out to Lisbon, ended up being sent back uh, in Dublin airport because they determined that my PCR tests would have been an hour out of date by the time that I arrived in Lisbon because I had gotten it uh, done a little bit earlier than um, than they would typically have recommended just because I wanted to be extra careful and you know I knew I knew I was moving there for like an undetermined period of time so I really wanted to be extra careful but it cost me so I had to rebook my PCR test. I actually did it that day and um, they were just closing up and they they happened to take pity on me and uh, I had to rebook a whole flight the next day and everything. So imagine this, like going off to the airport to basically move to another country. You've everything packed up. You've, you've tried to be as kind of proactive as possible. And then when you get there on the day, they uh, tell you that you can't get on the plane because <laughs> of stupid arbitrary rules that don't even exist anymore. Uh, and then when I actually arrived in Lisbon the day after I was due to be there originally, uh, the person checking my documents uh, didn't even really care. <laughs> they were more interested in talking to the person beside them than actually checking anything that I'd gone to all that trouble to getting rectified. And really, from the second I arrived in Lisbon, it was like a completely yeah, kind of jarring paradigm shift because I had been living in this world of like a, you know, a strict Dublin bubble mentality um, as like, this is the only way we'll get through the pandemic. And then I got to Lisbon and, you know, bar the odd mask here and there, you wouldn't have even thought the pandemic was a thing. <laughs> I mean, this was during a time where bars were still closed in Dublin. Uh, you know, and I remember sending a video to my parents in the first couple of days of me sitting indoors in a pub in Lisbon with like live music playing and like packed, packed out pub. And they're like, what? What is going on? It was like. Again, you know, this is not the COVID podcast. This is uh, this is called the Irish Knicks fan podcast. So uh, let's let's move on. But it, it's just one of those things where 
you know, sometimes you do need a bit of an environmental shift to realize that maybe what you had gotten used to is not actually what it would be like if you actually just took a couple of steps to change your circumstances. Um, so, I mean, if you think about it, I went from, you know, Dublin in full lockdown to sunny Lisbon with little to no restrictions because I made some pretty straightforward decisions about, you know, booking the flight, booking the Airbnb and just like setting myself up mentally for whatever might come. So yeah, pretty much a lesson in changing your environment. Maybe, I don't know, but I'd say, you know, um, Lisbon as a city is, is beautiful. Uh, it's really, really fun. I think that it's one of the most open and friendly places I've ever been. I think that you could go out on your own in Lisbon and by the end of the night, uh, you'll have like 20 new friends. It's one of the only places I've ever been where if you're sitting at a table by yourself and like a group see that, they'll actually like ask you if you need company or if you'd like to join them. <laughs> and it's sincere. It's not just like, drunken bullshit like it's they genuinely want to know more about you and like i don't know it's it's uh it was a big juxtaposition from basically never not seeing or talking to almost anybody back home to you know every day i'd i'd you know i'd get talking to another handful of people um yeah it was just a, a strange time i would say though that as a bit of a caveat um I think four months in Lisbon was enough for me. Uh, that openness kind of started to translate slightly different, differently energetically to me uh, as more of a kind of quiet desperation almost. And uh, I don't know, it just seemed to be very much the type of place where, you know, you are definitely not surrounded by a bunch of people who are, striving for greatness and for consistency and for um you know <laughs> success driven routine uh if you know like honestly the like to me it seemed like sometimes uh you know once it hit like 1 p.m it was just like oh i guess we're just gonna drink beer for the rest of the day which as we know i'm i'm a big fan of beer but not when it comes like it becomes like the center of your entire universe and kind of doesn't allow for i guess a deeper connection with people that doesn't kind of devolve into just half drunken nonsense really um that sounds really harsh uh, i do genuinely think that the four months that i spent there were was a bit of a break that i needed um, and also a bit of an outlet that that was needed after a pretty solitary uh, couple of months after one of the kind of roughest periods in my entire life, uh, which uh, subsequently actually followed like that huge burnout story that I had just mentioned. So maybe there were some self-sabotaging uh, behaviors and patterns that were present that I wasn't fully aware of at the time. Uh, but that's, I guess, a, a topic for another day. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was an incredible experience. I think that 
it served its purpose. Uh, oh, uh, but I do think that the um, you know, ultimately, it got to the point where I had gotten quite burnt out by this constant like session mode mentality and just um, being surrounded by a bunch of people and a lot of surface level connection, which just isn't in alignment with kind of what I'm looking for at all in any aspect of my life. And uh, yeah, I just kind of reached a bit of a breaking point, I would say. Um, after a few months, I had left the job I was in at the time. And funny enough, I just begun the conversations with uh, my current startup role that I am working with uh, outside of the Irish Knicks fan podcast. Um, and I just, b- between the transition from one job to the other, I had about a window of about six weeks where I was basically getting paid to do nothing. Um, and I was getting like, I got paid quite well because I had a couple of big bonuses come in and kind of all the pressure had kind of been, t- not that there was any that much pressure you know, work-wise, but like any pressure to do anything with my day had been kind of removed entirely. (laughs) And uh, instead of continuing with those kind of self-destructive, lost soul-ish behaviors, uh, I actually decided I would go into what I called monk mode, where I basically stopped drinking and stopped kind of socializing, started training again every single day uh try to eat healthy where possible and just kind of spent a lot of time meditating and reflecting and journaling uh, i kind of feel like the first two and a half months that i spent in lisbon was what my soul needed after being so constricted in the set of pretty devastating circumstances that i had been in and over those last couple of years leading up to that point um but then i think my my i guess my best self my higher self kind of intervened at some point and was just saying you know what brian cut this bullshit like let's establish some more some better routines some more structure in your day let's go a bit deeper if you're not going to get that connection from like externally uh from the people around you then you're gonna have to find it from within and uh one of the biggest things that changed was that i started to meditate every single day uh pretty deeply too it started off with five minutes after a few days i got it up to 10 minutes after a week or two it was 15 to 20 and now today I meditate for a minimum of 20 minutes every single day. Um, But this habit was established in Lisbon when I was kind of trying to, I guess, regain a sense of purpose and direction and discipline uh, back in my life after kind of, you know, letting loose for a couple of months. Um, So, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, this is kind of where the fireplace uh story starts um so i'm going to take one quick break before we launch into it but uh, when we come back uh i will tell you why i believe manifestation is real (laughs) 
and welcome back yet again. So I've set the stage as, uh, you know, I'd basically spent the first two and a half months in Lisbon completely on the tear. Uh, you know, it was just a question of getting four to five hours of deep work done each day. And then the immediate thought was, okay, so which cool bar are we going to go to tonight? And that was every single day, which don't get me wrong. It was fun. Uh, I think I needed it on some level, not the alcohol, but the release. Uh, but I think at some point my higher self, my best self kind of intervened and said, no, this is not who you are. This is, you're not going to find the answers that you're looking for, you know, in this environment, doing these things around these people. You know, what you're looking for is within you uh, somewhere. <laughs> so you have to find it. So that's kind of where a lot of the daily practices that you've heard me talk about at nauseum on this podcast kind of started to, you know, get established, you know, drinking enough water, eating healthy where possible, working out almost every day, meditating and journaling daily. Uh, these are things that are part of my life now like and have been integrated so deeply that I don't think I'll ever not be able to do them. But at the time it provided some much needed structure and clarity and uh, just space to comprehend and heal and reflect and just like, <laughs> actually confront the very things that I was clearly running away from. Uh, you know, maybe that was the real reason uh, I had gotten on the plane in the first place it was because I was literally running away. Uh, but as like Matthew McConaughey has said, like the person that you are and that you're, you know, trying to become, they sleep in the same bed uh, or no matter where you go, you're kind of stuck with yourself. So it was time to kind of take that, create that space to look in, look inward and uh, try and work through some of that kind of deep rooted trauma and shit um, that would have taken place, you know, that would have uh, been a pretty much, pretty much part of my daily life uh, for a couple of years as part of that uh, pretty uh, much a roller coaster of a previous relationship. So um, yeah. I, I, during one of the meditation sessions, I got a pretty clear vision. It was of a fireplace, uh, a built-in modern fireplace with my New York canvas hanging above it. And I didn't know where it came from. <laughs> I didn't know why, while I was trying to do some deep soul searching into, you know, my own levels of self-sabotage and, and uh, you know, trying to create that space for something better, why this fucking fireplace just kept coming back every single day. And after about six days in a row of seeing this fireplace, a mantra came to me, which was things are working out exactly as they should. Again, don't know where that came from. And um, I could hazard a guess. <laughs> um, but that has become my daily mantra uh, and still is to this day. Uh, it seems to have served me well so far. But Again, I didn't have any real clarity as to why these things were 
so vivid in my mind at the time. It was around uh, like it, like Fourth of July weekend a couple of years ago. I don't know why I specifically remember that, but I I do. And uh, yeah, so things started to conspire kind of towards the end of that six week uh, window uh, of self-reflection that kind of led me to think that I was due to go home. Uh, For one, uh, I was supposed to be starting my new job, which is actually the job that I'm still in today. And uh, the that's outside of this podcast, of course. And then um, the second thing was, you know, not to make this a COVID podcast, but um, I was getting a lot of text messages back home saying that if you need, if you wanted to get your vaccine, that you had to come home to Dublin to get it. And obviously, there was still a lot of hysteria and uh, just anxiety and and so much was still unknown at that time and you know i still i i don't regret getting the vaccine but i you know it, at the time when i got that text message i was like oh shit well now i now i have to go home you know uh so i went home and you know continued on this journey of self-discovery and continued to meditate continued to work out continued to eat healthy you know, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. And literally every single day I would see this vision. It would, it just wouldn't leave me. Even when I left Lisbon, it came home with me <laughs> and I, I still didn't get it. So at this time, I'd also decided that if I'm going to come home, I might as well set up some roots here and, you know, make some big moves in my life to get established here in Dublin, create a home base that I did, felt like I didn't need to run away from and just a space that kind of allows me to be the best version of myself. So started looking for an apartment. And uh, as all of you who live in Dublin know, uh, the property market is an absolute shit show here. Went through the process a number of times with various different properties around the city um, and some in the city itself, like in town and some not so much like on kind of on the suburbs kind of out here in Malahide, for example. Uh, but as I would get closer and closer to the finish line, uh, something would always happen right at the very end that would mess something up. It would be like I'd get out bid at the last minute or a investment group would come and make a bid to buy out the whole building you know, or make an offer that's just, you know, that you just can't compete with. And I have to say, it's pretty hard because like once you're in like the offer stage with any property, you do start to picture your life there. You start to think about like, how would I get to work in the morning or what would Friday night look like? Or, you know, and you really do start picturing yourself in that space. And then when it falls through, you just it's a lot to take on and I know it's the epitome of first world problems but uh well yeah it it was hard you know and and it it did feel I felt like at one stage I'd been I'd gotten almost there probably five or six times and was uh almost close to giving up honestly I I, like I, I had a pretty sweet deal at the time I was back in my parents house uh in the guest room just like saving a shit ton of money and just like pretty comfortable you know but as we know on this podcast like 
comfortable is not a state that I'm uh, like that, that, that resonates with me. And I knew that, you know, if I was ever going to become the person that I'm destined to be, I needed to get out of the situation, you know, no offense to my parents, uh, but uh, yeah, like how are you supposed to be your own person, your own man, you know, uh, if you're just, you know, if you're in your thirties and you're sitting in the guest room in your parents' house, I mean, no judgment, but like, I know what I want for myself and that just wasn't it, you know? So, um, so one day, uh, after failing miserably a couple of times to, to kind of get across the finish line with a couple of the uh, apartments that I was looking at in town, like in the city center, I decided, you know what, maybe I should look in my hide. And so for the uninitiated, because I know we have a lot of new listeners, uh, Malahide is North County Dublin. It's uh, pretty nice, uh, posh, some people would say, bougie, others would say, but it's where I grew up. It's right by the beach. It's uh, super nice. And I always thought that, you know, living in Malahide full time is something I would do, you know, in my 50s or 60s or, you know, something that I would do when I was finished, kind of my, not finished, because we're never truly finished, but when I was ready to kind of settle down to a slower pace of life, Malahide was always in the back of my head. But then the more I thought about it and uh, seeing how much more space, maybe an extra bedroom, extra bathroom, you know, that I could get in Malahide versus any of the places I was looking at in town. And obviously being close to my parents, uh, it'll, it's never a bad thing. It doesn't hurt to be there. And as you know, I've, I've really tried to focus on prioritizing that kind of quality time with them this year. Uh, you know, and it's easier to do that when you're five minutes down the road, but not to not to already give away the punchline, but anyways, so I went to view an apartment here in Malhide and uh, it was really, really nice. It was he- right here in the marina um, or facing out onto the marina. Two bedroom, two bath, like very masculine space, like dark wood, clean lines, you know, huge, huge like living space too. And I was like, wow, this is it. This is the one. And like, it was going for the same price that half the space in the city was going for, you know, with, you know, one less bedroom. It's two bed, two bath here, but for, I was being asked for probably more for one bed, one bath. That was more than like half the size of this place. I was like, this has to be it. This is the one. This is why I was called to check this out and I went through the whole process and I was so so excited and I started picturing myself just like having that short walk to the train station in the morning and just like everything starts coming together but as usual um right as I thought I was getting to that final stage uh you know um things fell through it didn't work out and I really had just resigned myself to the fact that this was not going to happen that I was just going to have to be that 30 plus year old man in my parents' guest room for all eternity. Like I was really feeling pretty low about that. Cause that was probably the, the one that I'd really like pictured myself uh, in. 
uh, more so than anything else I'd seen before that. And then I got a phone call. And it said, hey, Breen, um, so sorry that that one didn't work out. But there's actually another apartment. It's not out facing the marina. It's, it's on the opposite side, um, you know, down Gasyard Lane. Uh, yeah, don't Google me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's the same. It's in, it's in the, it's kind of the same complex, not quite the same building, uh, same specs, two bedrooms, two bathrooms, uh, more or less the same price. You know, would you be interested in checking it out? And I was like, fine. Like I like reluctantly, I was just like, okay, I guess I'll check it out. But then I walked in. I checked out the bedrooms, checked out the bathrooms. And then I walked into the living room. And what do I see? Only the fucking fireplace. That is the exact fucking fireplace that I've been seeing in my head for like a year. <laughs> in all of those meditations, like t t to a T. This is the thing that I had been that I had been picturing the entire time that had been calling me to this exact moment in the future. And I was like, oh shit, manifesta manifestation is real. Like it's fucking real. It's right here in front of me right now. And look at this space. Like this is the one I knew from the second I saw that fucking fireplace, like this is my place. Right. So I put in an offer, uh, went to the gym the next day. And when I'm in the gym, they send me an email. They said, uh, you know, hey, Rain, um, it's down to you and a couple of other interested parties. Uh, is there anything else you can send us that will help your application? You know, any kind of other proof of funds, etc." cetera. Um, I said, yeah, no problem. Uh, send them a screenshot of my E-Trade account and some crypto stuff that I'm in. And... Uh, you know, just said, look, all of this is here now, but it can be liquidated at any time, etc. blah, blah, blah. And uh, yeah, within five minutes, they said, oh, that's great. Yeah, they've chosen you. We're going to go ahead. And I just sat there on the bench in the gym, frozen. I was like, no fucking way. And I actually... I. I just sat there and then all of a sudden it all just came to the surface and I was like, yes, yes. And then like there was some randomer that I don't even know was sitting opposite me and I just said, hey, um, this sounds really weird, but can you just read this email and let me know that I'm not going insane? And they're like, sure, you fucking weirdo. Um, yeah, we've chosen you. You've got it. They're like, I don't know what you've got, but you've got it. And I was like, oh my god, I just got an apartment. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I like, I, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced the guy thought I was an absolute crazy person. And um, but then I rang my parents, told them they freaked out. I think my mom basically started to cry. Uh, and yeah, just like a true moment of bliss and joy and. It's just crazy to believe or to think about the fact that I pictured this exact space that, spoiler alert, I'm in now and that I've been here for about six months. I This is what I had in my head all that time ago. Over a year before I even went for that first viewing, I had pictured this. It had come to me. It had called to me.
And every single meditation session that I had had in that year, that image of the fireplace just got more and more vivid, almost as if I was getting closer excuse me, to making it my reality. And I fucking did it. It's wild. So the next time somebody tries to tell you that manifestation isn't real, you know, tell them the fireplace story uh, or tell them to listen to this podcast. Um, honestly, it's it's one of those things where I can give you many, many other examples of how I've been able to basically make my you know, create my own reality and and uh, live in this reality distortion field where if I just focus enough energy and output and most importantly, fucking action into making these things a reality, they will happen. They will happen. It's like one of the things I've heard in the book that I can't remember is uh, it's already yours. The world just hasn't caught up yet. And, uh, yeah, I, I really do believe that. And, uh, kind of to close out this episode, um, I hadn't really felt anything close to that in my now established daily meditations until very recently, as I mentioned, we are doing our first live show, uh, on the 28th of April next year. I have such a vivid vision of me standing off to the side of the stage, breads on, ripped jeans, black Irish Knicks fan, merch tee with a Calvin Klein denim jacket with Irish Knicks fan graffitied on the back, hair nice, beard trimmed, full of unquestionable, unpenetrable confidence. And hearing Dave, the master MC himself say, and the Irish Knicks fan himself, Brian Evers. And like probably a song like Many Men or some kind of sick instrumental and me walking out onto the stage to literally step into my greatness one hand in the air (laughs) to wave to the crowd like that is the image that is in my head every single day now and I'm telling you every morning it gets that little bit more vivid I can picture it that little bit more clearly I can feel what I'm gonna feel on the day I can like I can hear the sounds around me. I can almost like taste that kind of dry mouth feel because I'm so excited that it's finally happening. I'm feeling strong and fit and slim, but also like jacked. <laughs> I'm happy with my clothes and how my my breads look. And, and I just feel like, Everything that we're doing right now, everything that we're building, everything that I'm practicing on a daily basis right now is to become that person that's going to walk out onto the stage on the 28th. And as I said, uh, haven't felt this way since the fireplace 
image. And uh, I think it's the universe conspiring to help because as you guys know, we're not even a month into this experience and we've already come so far. But yeah, they, that's kind of my thoughts that uh, that is it for this for this episode. Um, you know, in in closing, manifestation is real. Your energy, your output, and the direction of your purpose and the purity of your intentions and just that intentional act to take one step forward towards the best possible version of yourself. You do that that little bit each day, 1% better each day, 1% closer each day, and you'll eventually get there. Um, you know, this is all very alternative. And for some of you, you may have stopped listening eight minutes ago, and that's totally fine. But for those of you that have made it all the way to the end and are are truly here on this journey with us and i just wanted to say thank you because we have five and a half months it's coming it's already ours time just hasn't caught up yet and with that guys that's today's episode let's go nicks